Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, good Monday morning. This one can get awkward. I've gotten asked this question several times and perhaps you have if you're part of our safe harbor and uh, especially if you're not only a member of our safe harbor but it's your church in other words it's not a brick and mortar add-on which is fine by the way we encourage that where where the local group is leading and feeding you we encourage that but if you're on your own as a great number of you are you've probably been challenged and they may ask you is this a Bible-based church? There may be variations in that, but that's the way, do they believe the Bible? Are they faithful to the Bible? All of these phrases were phrases I heard almost weekly growing up, that our church was Bible-based, that we believed the Bible, the Bible was our only creed, the Bible was our only guide of faith and practice. And whenever somebody died, we would talk about how faithful they were to the Bible. Is that what we are? Is that what God called us to be? Normally when somebody says they are a Bible-based church, and I have to say normally, they mean sola scriptura, which means the only way we can know anything about God is through scripture. Then they tend to be literalist, So the flood is literal, the six-day creation is literal, everything about the Red Sea, literal, 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 all the way. And not only literal-minded, but they pull it from the culture in which it was written. And they use it as if it was written in our culture with our understanding of truth and facts and history and how to tell a story. They ignore the culture, they ignore linguistics, They ignore the whole setting, and they also ignore the fact that we are not reading everything, but we're reading what was saved. I want to just hasten here to say, I believe we have everything we need to find Jesus. I believe that he has supplied us well. But they act as if the Bible were dropped from heaven in a big black leather-bound book with a note in it from God or Holy Spirit saying, good luck, and that's our only source. And they fight that way. And they make you sign declarations of that and statements of doctrine, and you have to do this to be a member or to teach at their institutions. But does the Bible ever tell us that's what we're supposed to do? That it is inerrant, that it is literal that it is our only guide is that what it really says especially whenever you take a look at passages like John chapter 1 where Jesus is very plainly and emphatically described as the word of God and yet when these churches use the phrase the word of God they are 99.9 percent of the time talking about the Bible And I wonder if John the Apostle doesn't just kind of tilt his head and go, hmm, 
because that could be a problem. If you're removing all history, all context, all linguistics, you are removing the meaning of what this had to say. And if you read the book of Corinthians and you realize, wait a minute, he's referring to an earlier letter we don't have. And then 2 Corinthians, it seems like he's referring to an angry letter that we don't have. So we're only reading one person's mail and it's an exchange. Let's do email, all right? Let's say you only got to read one person's email. You didn't see the responses or what you know, engendered the whole discussion to begin with. You also don't know how many emails there were and you just have a portion. That's what we have in the Bible and it is certainly enough, but was it given to us to be our only guide? Oh my goodness. I can hear the alarm bells going off in people's heads because 25, 30 years ago, they would have gone off in mine, much more 30 than 25, much more 40. 40, I would have been ring screaming out of the room in case lightning and fire fell upon somebody like me saying this. But we need to think about this. When you say the Bible is our only guide, you are also doing something else. You are making your interpretation of scripture the word of God. You're taking your, your group, whether it's Catholic, Church of Christ, Mennonite, whatever it is, Jehovah's Witness, you're taking your view as if it were God's view. And there is great confusion then because we speak as if we're speaking of the oracles of God when we're really speaking our interpretation of a book that told us Jesus was the word of God, but we ignore that and we base our churches not on Jesus, but upon the Bible. Now, there's a, a religious group that writes literature for classrooms, Bible studies, um, home Bible studies, men's studies. They've been doing it for a very long time. They join others like David C. Cook or Nab Press. This group is called Group, and you can actually go to group.com. Be aware this is not group on the discount chain people. Group.com. And they have a Bible that they call the Jesus-Centered Bible. And Rick Lawrence edited it, and he wrote an article about this because he saw this coming as well. He saw that when uh, the reaction of ours to when people leave the church or they are no longer really interested in going to the brick and mortar, that saying, well, uh, what, what, you know, we need to teach more Bible. If they, need, if they knew more Bible, they wouldn't leave. I heard that all my life. I still hear it. I still get it in angry emails, but it's not true. People don't leave the church because we don't have know enough about the Bible. People leave the church because they don't see how to live for Jesus there. And they see so much added on to living for Jesus. As Rick said, it is not so much that people aren't centering their lives around the Bible. It is that too many of them are not centering their lives around Jesus. Yes, the Bible contains a literary account of Jesus and history has some, uh, some pretty strong evidence about Jesus as well. But because of the way we have presented the Bible, the way we talk about the Bible, you know, give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, uh, to cheer the wandering lone and tempest tossed. 
you know, we really push that Bible, 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 it seems the Bible, and underline this please, it seems that we have elevated the Bible above its author. We don't talk about Jesus, we talk about the Bible. Now, this, is that nonsense? I've been told it was by people who I've talked to. But no, not at all. Jesus did not make his first physical appearance on earth as a baby. If you've followed our lessons during Advent, we talked about other appearances of Christ on earth before the Advent in the sermons. So you can go to wherever you're getting this. You can also get the Sunday sermons in a podcast or on YouTube. So you, you can check those out anytime. And a reminder that on the YouTube channel for our Safe, our Safe Harbor Church, you can also download the notes for every sermon free. Everything's free. We don't put up any paywalls anywhere, all right? Nobody gets extra special stuff if they hand us more money. It's, it's freely given to us. We freely give it to you. And good people sending in $5, $10, $1,000, they keep us going and feed us, which we really appreciate. That's it. Jesus did not make his physical appearance on earth in Bethlehem of Judea because we were delinquent in our study of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. In fact, the people knew them very, very well. They had gone to synagogue, they had gone to temple, they had listened, and there was a, quite the competition in how to interpret those scriptures between, say, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, and perhaps other groups that we really don't know that much about, or maybe not at all. Jesus didn't come to get us to read those scriptures. He came so that they would center their lives around the one true living God. Because they, the, they knew the words, they knew the scriptures, but they had not centered their lives around God. So God comes to forgive us, to love us, and to show us this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And he said that right in front of Moses and Elijah, if you remember, with the story of the transfiguration. He became flesh so that the people would come to know, love, and follow the living God and be redeemed through the sacrificial love of the Savior and then in return live a life of sacrificial love among the people we meet. Now, we cherish our Bible. We love our Bible. I know our Bible. In fact, I have found, and this is quite a slanderous thing for me to say, so forgive me if I'm overstepping. Uh, I have found a great many people who will get red in the face and they will wear their fingers out emailing me or shouting at me that we need to follow the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Don't know it that well. They've not read all of it in context and understood the background linguistics, uh, the target of the writing, the author. They, they, they think they do, but they've studied their passages. They know their places, but they don't know the book, the whole gestalt the whole thing. So, group, by the way, that same, and you can get one if you'd like. Um, I don't own one, uh, but they, they published the Jesus-Centered Bible. It's in the New Living Translation, which is a fine translation. I, I don't really use it because I'm, frankly, I've, I've got a couple versions already. I would buy a Jesus-Centered Bible, and I've told them this, if it was in large or giant print. Um, but they told me they're not going to get that for another year and a half. So I'll, when it comes out, if I'm still able to read, still able to work, I'll get one. 
but you may want to get one and they come hardcover and all this stuff. I'm not, I don't work for them. I'm not going to get any money off of this. And I, I imagine you could get it elsewhere as well. But if you have a local store selling Bibles, buy local. That's okay. Commercial over. In there, what they do is they show as you go through the Hebrew scriptures, they will find any references to Christ and their little study notes and such. And they, they put those scriptures in blue uh, as, you know, contrast to the black text or the red text when Jesus is actually speaking in the Gospels. I'm sure that's very helpful. And I'm actually pretty excited about when they get one I can actually read. And some of you will say, just get magnifying. Yeah, we've tried. We've tried. I'm 67. I've got a lot of miles on me. Uh, and my eyes can only do what my eyes can do. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to go as far as Spurgeon. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher back in the 18th century, went to hear a young pastor who was considered really hot stuff. And he was really, really good. And he, he knew his stuff. And the, the preacher preached on an Old Testament text. Afterwards, he was asked how that went. And, and the young pastor is the one to ask, how do you think the sermon went? His response, here's a quote, there was no Christ in it. Don't you know that from every town and every village and every little hamlet in England, wherever it might be, there is a road to London. And so from every text in scripture, there is a road to the metropolis of the scriptures, and that is Christ. Frankly, I think he overstated. I think you can have a lot of amazing sermons out of the Hebrew scriptures, and I believe that we should. I think that's been a critical failure of churches, not understanding the old scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, how they read them, how they understood them, how it prepared the world for Christ, and how they can still show us so much about God and so much about life and so much about what was really going on in the mind of Paul, Peter, James, and John. You don't get that if you don't know the Hebrew scriptures. And so I don't believe that you always have to yank something out and then paste on a Jesus application. But I think the over overwhelming concept, overarching I should say, is probably valid in that always keep Christ in mind. Now, for some of you out there who've been told all your life, there is only one way to know anything about God, faith, practice, and that is our Bible. Again, perhaps you've not read it closely, because not only does the Bible call Jesus the Word of God, and tell you, listen to him, right in front of Moses and Elijah, listen to Jesus. It also tells you in Romans 1 that two books tell us about God. In fact, Paul goes so far as to say what has been made, what is created out there. If you pay attention to what has been created, you can know everything there is to know about God. Now, if I were to say that in the pulpit of many churches, I'd be kicked out, disinvited at least, from ever coming back. And I've had people shock and horror whenever I bring this up, and they'll say, I didn't say it. Paul said it. In the Bible that you say is inerrant and solo scriptura, he said it. We can know about Christ not only through the Bible, but we can know about him through creation. We can know about him through the community in which he was born and raised. And we can learn from the Jewish community 
what they were prepared for, how they heard the voice of God, and how it grows within us. And the Holy Spirit then actually has a job to do. When I grew up, the only thing the Holy Spirit did was uh, inspire the people to write the Bible. And since we didn't need any more Bible, what was he supposed to be doing? Every time I asked that question, I would get really harsh looks. And this is as a boy, I learned not to ask questions after a while. Uh, they would say, well, he reminds you of what the Bible says. So he was basically just kind of like, a, a, you know, before the test, you got these little written notes that every now and then pop in your head or something. He wasn't a living, breathing, active force in your life. Don't do that. So is our safe harbor a Bible-based church? Probably not in the way that you use that phrase. We are a Jesus-centered church. We are a faith and love insistent church that while we focus on Christ, the way we prove that to the world is through our love for him and our love for each other. And if any of you right now are saying, yes, but he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Exactly. And then he said what his commandments were. Look at that context. He said to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Matthew 25, he shows us that on the day of judgment, love is the standard. So I hope this helps. If it engenders any more questions, info at OurSafeHarbor.com. God bless you. Thank you for allowing us to continue this now for over three years. What a blessing to us. We hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.